Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine and sponsored by Steer. Broadcasting today from Agreco Studios. Agreco, powering the Permian. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. I'm your host, Kim Bellotto, and today we have a great show lined up for you. We are actually live in studio here at Oilfield Experts. And our guest today is John Tatera, one of the smartest guys that I know when it comes to oil and gas. He is the president currently of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, but John just comes with a vast amount of uh, information when it comes down to oil and gas. He's also a licensed geologist as well. Some of the areas of his expertise revolve around upstream in oil and gas exploration, uh, transportation, production, uh, and this also includes conventional and unconventional reservoirs. As the former executive director with 22 years under his belt with the Texas Railroad Commission, he is considered to be one of the most premier oil fill regulators, well, in the nation, folks. John oversaw the entire regulatory process from drilling permits, compliance inspection, oil spill responses, pollution remediation, and pipeline transportation. So this man knows his stuff, and we are thrilled to have him as our guest today to answer your questions. If you want to call in and ask John a question, please feel free to call in to 210 210- Five two six three six five six. Again, that number is two one zero five two six three six five six. Now, let me just take a moment to tell you about our latest issue of Shell Magazine. The cover is Steve Kean, who is the senior vice president in worldwide exploration for the Apache Corporation. And David Blackman was able to catch up with him and cover Alpine High, located in the Permian Basin. This is a great company with an excellent story. I encourage you to read all about it at shellmag.com. Again, that's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And lastly, I'd like to take a moment to invite you to join us at Texas Energy Advocates Coalition Day, better known as TEAK. If you want to know more about energy, attend great mixers, networking events, or board the bus as we head to the Capitol to advocate for all things energy, this is the group for you to join. And you know what? It's free. So look us up on Facebook at Texas Energy Advocates Coalition and join us today. Before we bring on our guest, John, please be sure to call in 210 526-3656. And now it's time to welcome John Tatera, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. So, John, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much. It's uh, really a distinct pleasure and honor to be here. I've watched the work of Shale Magazine and uh, the various uh, people that contribute to it for a while. And it's a voice that needs to be heard. And never has there been a more important time than today and the world that we're facing today and the political winds that are blowing across the landscape of Texas today. So I think there's a an important story that needs to be told, and I think that there is some important stories that need to be refuted, and I hope today we can cover some of those. Well, you know, that's uh, what I'm excited about too, John, is uh, we have a great relationship with the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and I think as you stated earlier, we have a lot of opposition to energy 
and there's a lot of misinformation as well. And one of the greatest associations that we have is your organization because you're really out there like we are in the community trying to get the information that's accurate to the community. So that way we who are outside the oil and gas sector can make really good decisions for us and of course for the future. So let's begin by telling me, tell me a little bit about the Alliance. What's its mission? Well, the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers is over 70 years old and proud. And it really is the voice of uh, the independent oil and gas industry in the state of Texas, a statewide organization. Uh, we have uh, uh, focused on a number of very important issues over our lifetime, but none is impo- more important than what we face today. And what we face today is really an effort to make sure that science and in fact, get applied to all the conversations and all the discussions that are occurring in the oil field as policies get made. Texas Alliance of Energy Producers is a entity that's uh, headquartered in Austin, Texas. I'm very proud to be the president with them. I've been associated with them for over five years. Before that, as my resume says, I was uh, working for a state regulator, so I, I bring hopefully a, a tremendous amount of experience. I also have worked for some of the largest and some of the smallest oil companies in the world. And as um, many of your listeners won't know about me, uh, my environmental credentials are very strong. I've probably cleaned up more pollution than anybody you'll ever have on this radio show, over 3,000 sites and counting. Uh, everything from asbestos to zinc, because I ran the pollution cleanup section for well over a decade at the Railroad Commission of Texas. So I like to say that as my service for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, when we put on a special event like we have coming up on April 2nd and 3rd with our expo. Your expo, right. That's right. And uh, we're going to be having that in Irving, Texas at the Irving Convention Center, just 10 minutes from the airport. It's this coming April 2nd and April 3rd. We uh, have hundreds of booths at uh, uh, well over 1,000 attendees. We have some tremendous speakers. Uh, Commissioner Ryan Sinton of the Railroad Commission will be delivering a, a breakfast keynote on the 3rd. Uh, we have Kenneth Hirsch of the uh, George W. Bush Presidential Center, and he's going to be delivering our luncheon keynote. We have special seminars that will be going on on April 2nd and April 3rd. And frankly, if you are interested, involved, or have a product that you want to expose to numerous, if not hundreds, if not thousands of entities, Come to our expo. Please contact us. Uh, go to our webpage at uh, www.texasalliance.org. Look us up. Reach out to us. Reach out to me personally if I can help you. We would love to have you come. We'd like to invite all of our friends and all of our guests to come to the Texas Expo. Join with us as we spread the knowledge, spread the word, and frankly also celebrate the community of the Texas Oil Patch. Well, and to be honest with you, John, of course, you will find Shell Magazine and and the oil patch out there, too. So we definitely want to encourage everybody to go uh, with us because it's always a great, great uh, time for networking and opportunity. Um, And something that's really strange is, you know, we're getting ready to start taking some phone calls here. Uh, We've got uh, quite a few lined up already to talk to you. So I'm pretty excited about that because, you know, leading up to this, we've been on the air for three years, John. And for three years, we have just had an onslaught of emails and um, and uh, inquiries from Facebook, just trying to get information. And it just seems it's so limited. So this was just a natural progression. And I'm glad we kind of have partnered with the right people to get information out there. Well, nothing is more important than the one-to-one dialogue of American citizen to American citizen done in a world of free speech where all responsibility all parties are respected, they're listened to, but what we will be presenting here today to the listeners and to the callers that come in are the science 
and the facts that should be underlying the policies that may or may not be put into place in the near future. And I will say that those policies that we're seeing currently in Washington, D.C., and that we're seeing in some other states are something that every American should be opening their eyes and taking a very close look at because the decisions that we make within this next election cycle can either make or break the economy of the United States of America in the future. And you know what, John, I'm very concerned, too, because there is so much information out there that is such it's so negative against the industry. And a lot of it is not backed by any kind of science. It's scare tactic. It's scare tactics. It's it's just things that are they'll take a small percentage of what is really based on science and just completely blow it up into being something completely different. And so I hope today within the show we get some really good calls. Um, I do want to cover you and I. Um, If it doesn't come up with one of our callers, the Green New Deal that's been proposed and on the table, uh, because I think it's important to start really showing the community we are really uh, not prepared to go off the grid in any way. We go off the grid, we basically will die. We're not there yet. We may at some point, and while I don't want to seem like a drama queen, the truth of the matter is it's the truth. Uh, we still need oil and gas. And I'll give you an example. Today is an amazingly cold day, and we are so nice and warm in our homes, and we are driving our cars to the grocery store, and we are enjoying the luxuries that oil and gas provides to us. And I am not going to part with my makeup. No way, no how. So (laughs) we are not going off the grid. Um, We want to take our first caller. Our first caller is... uh, David Blackman, the editor of Shell Magazine. So, David, welcome to the show. Hey, how are y'all doing today? We are doing great. I'm so glad you called in because I had a feeling you were going to call in. You and I had a discussion yesterday about all these different topics that are coming up, and I'm like, you know, you need to call in and start uh, asking John Tatera. But I am going to say that we're going to come up on a hard break here soon, so uh, I'm going to have to cut you off midway into your sentence, but I just wanted to get you oh, – I wanted to make you aware of that. Uh, well, tell you what, let me just start by welcoming John to the show and thanking him for doing this. It's, uh, there's nobody better – more knowledgeable uh, about this industry in Texas, and so he's the perfect guy uh, to, to be doing this live program. Now, John, tell me how how back how far back do you and David go? Well, uh, David has been a voice for oil and gas for for many years, and uh, frankly, I've always admired his incredibly uh, skillful writing talents and editorial talents, and he's been able to successfully transfer that in the past several years to his social media voice and in that social media voice i'd like to follow him closely because he is an extremely timely conservative voice that speaks the truth to power and that is one of the most impressive things that i think you can say about a journalist well i couldn't agree with you more as him being the editor of shell magazine it has truly brought our magazine to a point where we are really getting amazing interest uh, on a global scale so Um, I think together with uh, the Alliance coming in now, we're going to really have an amazing show, uh, something that we can really uh, talk to the American people about. And you are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. 
in the Oil Patch Radio Show is proud to bring you this week's Energy Minute produced by shalemag.com. Here's Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your current industry update. This is Texas Railroad Commissioner Ryan Sitton with your Energy Minute. Pacific Gas and Electric, or PG&E, is the main provider of electricity for much of California. Last year, PG&E was found liable for some of the large wildfires that devastated the state and declared bankruptcy as a result. This is putting a scare into some wind and solar energy companies. As bills have passed the California state legislature to force the state to go to, quote, clean energy sources over the past years, PG&E has contracted with these renewable providers to fill the gap. However, a bankruptcy could void these contracts and remove their guaranteed revenue streams. As its citizens call for lower energy prices and natural gas being the cheapest form of electricity, California's renewable goals may be in doubt. This is Ryan Sitton, and that's your Energy Minute. Listen to In the Oil Patch Radio and keep up with the oil and gas industry online at shalemag.com. Oil Field Experts is the only place you need to go to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oil field equipment needs. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us to get the right part right now. Here's the number, so write it down. Oil Field Experts, 210-471-1923. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kim Bilotto, and today we are joined in studio with uh, John Tatera, who is the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And before the break, John, we had David Blackman on the line, uh, the editor of Shell Magazine. So I'd like to join him back to talk about his question today. Yeah, well, I and I, you, you kind of teed it up before I, I came on the line. Actually, um, I do. I think it's very important for us to to talk today about this Green New Deal that was rolled out this week. I guess they've kind of taken the, the talking point sheet down now from from the websites, but uh, everybody got to see what was in it. And, and of course, part of what's in it, John, is is uh, a proposal in the course of spending printing 40 trillion new dollars that we don't have, uh, spending a bunch of money to somehow eliminate fossil fuels, including oil and gas, from our nation's economy over the next 10 years. And I just uh, wonder, you know, wanted to get your comments on that and, and your thoughts on uh, whether or not that's feasible and, and how doing something like that would impact the Texas economy. David, I think that's a question that's on everyone's mind. And when it comes to Texas, the impact would be severe. When it comes to the nation, the impact would be reckless. And the fact that even a dialogue exists means that the oil and gas industry is not doing a good enough job getting its facts out in front of the public. And that's one of the reasons why I'm here today, to address things just like this. When you look at uh, how the uh, Green New Deal was rolled out, I went to perhaps one of the most friendly environmental uh, websites and entities that exist, the National Public Radio. And their closing comment is, what they wish to say is, quote, the Green New Deal framework combines big climate change-related ideas with a wish list of progressive economic proposals that taken together would touch nearly every American and overhaul the economy. Well, that speaks for itself. This effort to try to, by fiat and by legislation, 
change what is a capitalist, market-based, employment-oriented, jobs-oriented, tax-base-oriented industry of the oil and gas industry that is responsible for really the largesse that we see everywhere in the world, not just Texas, over uh, the concern of greenhouse gases is a fundamentally and intrinsically dangerous effort to move forward without any type of full planning. But perhaps the most reckless part of it is there's no, and I'm I'm looking right at the resolution as I'm speaking to you, uh, and it, the House resolution for the 117th Congress in the first session is available and it's public. I'd recommend everybody go ahead and read it. Uh, make sure you're sitting down while you do it. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that uh, you need to recognize as you're doing this is they don't say in this resolution what it's going to achieve. No one is saying how much greenhouse gas is going to be eliminated. People aren't saying, what are the temperatures that are going to be stabilized? What are they going to be stabilized at? And what I'm seeing here is a political manifesto. I'm not seeing an energy plan. I'm not seeing something that you can build a budget around. Instead, what I am seeing are talking points for a political party that is rapidly moving toward the left side of the political spectrum and wanting to do so based on a Green New Deal that, frankly, to most Americans, is going to be the new raw deal. Wow, that's interesting. David, well, thank you for your call, and uh, we look forward thank to you, you calling back in. That's right, pretty interesting. You. You're very welcome. That's pretty interesting. I mean, those are some really big statements that you made there, John, and I think hopefully everybody is paying attention that we just don't know enough of, uh, and there's just not enough explanation in there to, uh, uh, and that might be why she took down this, uh, she took it down really quickly overnight, uh, and that might be some of the reasons why. Let's bring on our next caller. Our next caller is Courtney. She has a question for you as well, John. Courtney, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Hi, Kim. How are you? I am good. Thank you for calling in today and being a supporter of the show. Yes, absolutely. Um, I just had a question for john about the general um kind of volatility in the market right now uh you know i know midland it seems like west texas is booming again but it still seems like the prices are pretty low and pretty volatile and i'm just wondering when do you think we might see a return in high crude prices and maybe what's kept them down so long well, thank you, Courtney. That's a very good question, a uh, astute question. And one of the things that Texas Alliance of Energy does is uh, we employ an economist, and that economist has a special Texas Petro Index. And that Petro Index has been tracked since the uh, mid-1990s to try to help us predict exactly what your question will answer. And one of the things that we have seen in the past two months, in uh, uh, November and December of 2018, as we were closing out the year, for the first time in three years, the Petro Index index, which is an amalgamation of numerous economic indicators, actually dropped. And we've never seen the Petro Index drop without beginning what is the start of a very bearish market that will take a strong bull market to turn it around. So we are going to need to watch the next few months carefully. What's really happening is that no one should forget that crude oil is a global commodity. And as the geopolitical winds and the production worldwide ebbs and flows, that's going to have a dramatic impact on the United States. That being said, 
One of the few things that the United States can boast of that many other countries cannot boast of is the political stability that capitalism brings to oil and gas production. And any threat to that political stability of oil and gas production is going to simply make investors go elsewhere and make it harder for uh, to raise capital and to continue the drilling. You know, right now we have about 500 rigs running in the Permian Basin. We look at some of the statistics that we have out there, and you're going to see that uh, the the Railroad Commission uh, is uh, issuing 12 or 1,300 drilling permits a month. It's a very important part of the economic scenario of Texas, but it is price-driven. It will continue to be price-driven as long as there is a capitalist overlay on the industry. And whenever that capitalist overlay starts to disappear, you're going to see a significant threat to the economy of not just Texas, the economy of not just the United States, but literally the economy of the world and a threat to a worldwide recession and a tremendous increase in the cost of living. As I mentioned about the international aspects, let's not forget that right now in France, there's literally riots in the Champs-Élysées as the yellow vests are protesting raises in taxes because of the energy and the cost for diesel. There can never be an effort that is not firmly based on science and fact that can in any way disturb the economic well-being of our average citizen. Very interesting. When we return from break, we have more callers on the line, but we are going to have to take a quick break. You are listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Agreco has been powering the Permian Basin for over 10 years, supporting Permian producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. Agreco supports power systems as small as a single 200 kilowatt to as large as a 50 megawatt power plant. So when your utility power is delayed, call on Agreco to engineer a diesel, natural gas, or battery solution to fit your needs. We have immediate availability right here in the Permian Basin. Call 1-800-AGRECO or online agreco.com. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I am joined in studio today with John Tatera, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And John, I'm just wondering how you're doing. This is your first and my live show, and uh, I think it's pretty exciting. We've had a lot of calls, and we have a lot of calls on the line right now, too, to speak with you. Yes, I encourage everyone, please call in and uh, ask the hard questions, because that's what I'm here for today. I want to make sure that the public has an opportunity to hear every side of the discourse that's going on in our world. So basically what he's asking is let's shake it up. (laughs) Our next caller is Kimberly. Kimberly, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. John, uh, would you just comment on Venezuela and what you can see and how that's going to impact Texas? Yeah, that that is a very good question. It uh, bodes well for the uh, previous comments that I made about Texas geopolitical aspects and the geopolitical winds that will be blowing across the landscape of international oil, which means across the landscape of Texas oil. And when you see civil unrest and when you see the kind of disruption and potentially political corruption, uh, let me just say that that is something that a good regulator is prohibits and will not allow. And a strong economy and a free democratic society 
uh, doesn't need to go through that kind of catharsis in order to share the wealth. Capitalism is the opportunity to share the wealth, and that's what's happening in Venezuela is the wealth from oil and gas isn't being shared. You know, compare that to Texas. You know, Texas uh, generates about $26 million a day of taxes for state and local entities mm-hmm. in uh, our great state. And uh, about 2 million people in Texas have some type of job that's associated with the oil and gas industry. Uh, there are some estimates that say the oil and gas industry, when you look at all the ancillary companies and service companies, et cetera, can be as much as 40% of the state's economy. If you look at our actual economic benefits that have that, you know, the uh, current budget that's being proposed by Comptroller Hager is going to be about $120 billion, uh, which is $60 billion a year because it's a two-year biennium. And out of that, uh, you're going to have, uh, you know, anywhere from 5 to 8% of that is going to directly come from oil and gas revenue for the Texas for the severance fund. Here in Texas, we've handled this money wisely. We put it away in a rainy day fund. You don't see that kind of thing when you go overseas and you go to Venezuela. And it takes me back to some of the work that I was doing in Eastern Europe a few years ago. When I would talk to the energy ministers, and I was working with a think tank at the time out of Washington, D.C., they uh, took me over there because I knew how to regulate oil and gas, and that's what they wanted to do. How do we regulate oil and gas? As I'm sharing it with them, they said, Mr. Tintero, please remember one thing. We appreciate your expertise. We appreciate you being here discussing uh, how to regulate uh, oil and gas, and particularly unconventional shale reservoirs. But please remember that foreign military might beats American energy every time. And we are going to see that also applied to civil unrest. It's very hard to run a business if you have riots in the street. I couldn't agree with you more. Very interesting. Well, let's take another caller. We have John on the line. John, welcome to In the Old Patch Radio Show. What's your question for John? Oh, we lost John. You know what? I didn't even get to say thank you to Kimberly. Thank you, Kimberly, for calling in. And you know what? In the meantime, while we're waiting for our next caller, John, I just wanted to tell you thank you so much for coming in and helping us try to dispel all of the uh, erroneous information that floats around, especially in mainstream media, which shocks me that uh, you see so much information that's not accurate. Well, you do, and what's the shame is when people base their regulatory concerns on that. One of the uh, uh, things that I'd like to uh, mention, and your readers should know, is as a former regulator, I can write regulations that will grind any industry into the dirt. So what does it take to be a good regulator? Well, I would recommend everyone look at the Railroad Commission of Texas, which is three statewide elected officials. Uh, having an accountability directly to the voters of Texas makes that agency special. I would also say that uh, protecting public health and safety Safety and the environment is the primary concern. Every regulator recognizes that. So God bless our Texas regulators. Visit our website, shalemag.com, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com to learn more. Plan your next meeting or event at Victoria College's Emerging Technology Complex, home to the -the state-of-the-art conference and education center, conveniently located between Houston and Corpus Christi. The center hosts meetings, educational workshops, and banquets for up to 300 people with the latest in technology amenities and ample parking. Let their professional meeting planners make your next event a success. For more information, go to conferenceinvictoria.com. Once again, that's conferenceinvictoria.com.
And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. I am here with John Tatera, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. And we are live here in studio to answer, of course, our fans and maybe sometimes not our fans, questions about oil and gas. So, John, I want to get, we have a lot of callers, so let's get to our next caller. John, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. What's your question for John Tatera? Uh, this is Joe, J-O-E. Oh, Joe, I'm sorry. <laughs> our producer no had that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Joe. Well, oh, welcome. Man. I apologize, but welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. What's your question for John Tatera? Uh, yes, uh, I have a question about that carbon tax, which is being touted as a, well, a cure-all for any economic ill. Uh, even some oil companies are attempting to be supportive of a carbon tax, you know, as a revenue stream. And you know, as we all know, that carbon tax will be an added tax to your fuel purchases, uh, tax on your income, property, food consumption, and uh, so on. Uh and, of course, these companies want to use that money to set up new departments in their company to branch off into, you know, their version of what green energy is. Uh, what are your ideas about this carbon tax? Any new tax that goes on to a business of any type is something that's going to cut into the profitability and the ability to reinvest in the business and the ability for shareholders uh, to contribute their capital to try to build a uh, big, bigger and better company that can capture more market share and sell their products further. So we always look very hesitantly at carbon taxes uh, because if nothing else, the tax itself really doesn't solve a problem. It just makes life more expensive. And whenever you look at a tax, it's kind of like looking at the New Green Deal. You want to make sure that you know where that money's going and how is the impact of that going to be beneficial. And that would be my response is what I would like to see regarding carbon taxes is what are the specifics of how it's going to relate to solving the concerns that are being espoused by uh, certain political groups about climate change. How will the increase in taxes, besides just making it more difficult and more expensive for the average American to obtain energy, how is it going to actually lower the temperatures or lower the rate of increases? And that is something that I think that every American should be asking for. As we uh, would say from the 1970s and 1980s hamburger commercials, where's the beef? <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you, uh, Joe, for calling in today. And, and I guess my question for you, John, is these uh, these energy companies that are kind of spreading it around, and then we have some uh, EMPs that are strictly focusing on oil and gas. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Um, are, they're just, of course, covering their bets to make sure they're moving into every single area. Uh, will we see that from more operators coming online or what do you think we'll see diversification is something that i think every business will consider at some time in its career and at some point you see um, particularly multinationals that have a tremendous amount of investments and they not only uh, service in the upstream emp industry but they also service the midstream and the downstream and the refineries and the shipping etc all across the world and what i like to stop and think about is what is the corporate responsibility and some of the corporate morality that needs to be applied to this because let's not forget the importance of oil and gas when it comes to the fact that one billion children worldwide live in poverty and most of that is energy poverty right. and if you start pulling the rug out from underneath the opportunity of developing countries to develop their own energy resources uh, to use the infrastructure that's already in place how are we going to lift 
How are we going to lift these impoverished people all across the globe into a better life? One of the things I've always liked to say is that the oil and gas industry is a rising tide that lifts all boats. It can lift all countries. It can lift all people. And if you go to impoverished countries... And you talk to people that are trying to service them, you see, when you don't have oil, when you don't have natural gas, when you don't have electricity being generated, what you're going to end up seeing is deforestation. People are going to cut down trees. People have to have fire. People have to have energy. People have to have light. They're going to use dung, which can be very dangerous to be burning inside a closed uh, shelter. And you want to help these people in every way you can. And what I see is the oil and gas industry. It would be better to redirect funds into more of the philanthropic parts of it than paying a tax that will go to the government, that will then go to potentially special interest groups that will use it in ways that will likely not reach far and wide as the oil and gas industry currently does today. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, now, our next uh, guest that we will have on, I'm sorry, our next caller is going to be Todd. Todd, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. Thank you. Enjoy your show. Thank you, Kim. Thank you, John. What is your question for John? My question is for John is the industry uses lots of water, but what is the industry doing to use more recycled water? Uh, that is a astute observation, and I will say that in the past five to ten years, the oil and gas industry, particularly as unconventional reservoirs and hydraulic fracturing, has become a standard go-to procedure and dramatically increased the production of that. Water recycling is now commonplace in the oil field. In fact, the regulations that exist in Texas encourage water recycling and reuse inside of the oil field. Now, if you look toward the future, oh, let's see what might happen five to ten years from now, there's a couple of indicators that are happening as I speak that I think all the listeners should pay attention to. The Environmental Protection Agency announced four months ago that they were going to be doing an internal study, and that internal study was going to involve how uh, produced water is handled, managed, disposed of, recycled, and eventually is there opportunities for it to re-enter the hydrologic cycle. Along with that, I wrote a 2014 white paper on produced water policy in the state of Texas, and I'm currently updating that right now. We're going to roll it out in May, and it's going to be what is the sustainability of produced water, produced water disposal? How can recycling play an even larger role in it? There's been some pilot projects in Texas that people might not know about where on private property we have individual ranchers that are irrigating with treated produced water, desalinated, dechemicalized produced water, uh, non-edible crops like cotton or Bermuda grass in order to see if they can play a role. We just saw that hemp is now legalized in Texas for growing, and that is it could be an outstanding opportunity for irrigation for produced water. You saw Wichita Falls go through a terrible drought where they went from toilet to tap, and they literally had to take their treated effluent back in their reservoir. With all that being said, I see produced water as, one, serving an important role today, and two, in the future, as having at least the opportunity with science and fact to do even more. Hi, this is Kim Bilotto, host of In the Oil Patch Radio Show, starting every second Saturday of the month at 2 p.m., we will have a live call-in show in which John Tatera, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, will be joining me in studio to answer all your questions. So be sure to take advantage of getting your most important oil and gas questions answered live and join us on the show. 
If you want more information on how to call in live or the phone number again, be sure to email us at radio at shalemag.com. That's radio at s-h-a-l-e-m-a-g.com. Or just go to our Facebook page in the Oil Patch Radio Show. You'll find the information there as well. The vision of the Women's Energy Network is to be the premier organization that educates, attracts, retains, and develops professional women working across the value chain. Also known as WEN, our mission is to develop programs that provide networking opportunities and foster career and leadership development of women who work in the energy industry. Thousands of women are breaking ground in energy industry careers every year, and 4,000 of them are already members of the Women's Energy Network across our 14 chapters. Members receive exclusive access to mentoring, job boards, group discussions, member-only networking events, expert speaking engagements, and more. Join today by visiting womensenergynetwork.org slash Houston or call 1-855-390-0650. The Women's Energy Network, empowering women in energy. Hi, this is Kim Bilotto, host of In the Oil Patch Radio Show, starting every second Saturday of the month at 2 p.m. We will have a live call-in show in which John Tatera, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, will be joining me in studio to answer all your questions. So be sure to take advantage of getting your most important oil and gas questions answered live and join us on the show. The call-in live line is 210-526-3656. And we're back. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we're being joined in studio with uh, John Tatera, who is the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, John, this is our last segment, and there are a few things that I did really want to try to get into this show. Uh, you know, we have um, session uh, already in play, and uh, every every single session you guys face so much uh, and trying to maneuver ahead of environmentalists and regulation and always just is a, 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 a nightmare for you guys every single session. Uh, but before we get into session, because it's going to be a long conversation, I just kind of want to talk about the employment uh, of oil and gas. We have a lot of young people, and I know that your organization focuses on, on young people. Would you tell a young person who's um, they're trying to figure out what they want to go into uh, when they grow up, would you recommend them to go into oil and gas? Absolutely. And one of the reasons is we are facing in the oil and gas industry what us insiders call the great shift change. And what the great shift change is, is the people in my age, people that have got 30 years, 35-year careers in the oil field, they're approaching retirement. And there is a huge gap of talented young people that have not gone into the business for one reason or another. And so the employment opportunities are really bright in the next 5 to 10 to 15 years. You know, first of all, oil and gas is projected to increase. Uh, oil and gas production is going to rise. Uh, the only thing that will stand in the way of uh, rising oil and gas production is really going to be overregulation or a, a uh, lack of political will to ensure cheap energy for that. So young people that want to come into the oil business on either a hands-on blue-collar or a technical white-collar or what we call a high-tech gold-collar that might want to join us, well, there's going to be welcoming arms. 
My association itself, the Texas Alliance, is a free student membership program where for no money down, you can join or absolutely no cost. You can join the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. You'll get all of our periodicals. We pick our interns out of that. We have an intern working for us all the time. Currently, we have uh, Kevin out of Texas Tech from the Energy Law School. That's our current intern. We use virtual internships at the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Those virtual internships mean you Skype with me. You don't have to show up in Austin, Texas. So you can be from any university in the United States, certainly any university in Texas, and be an intern for the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. We have more than 300 uh, student members of the Texas Alliance. We carry at least three to four interns a year, and we also are building a mentor program, which will allow our student members to reach out to veterans of the oil field and find out what the job prospects are like. What major should they go into? What are some of the opportunities that they see in the future? So please, students, look at the Texas Alliance, and please consider the oil and gas industry as part of your future. Excellent. Now let's switch gears just a little bit and talk about session. It's in play right now. What are the main areas of interest that you guys are going to be looking at? What, what, are, what is problematic for you this session? Well, I think that the role of education and the funding of education is going to be critical uh, as you know, the uh, uh, severance taxes that are paid by oil and gas, 4.6% on oil, 7.5% on gas, much of that goes into the rainy day fund, which is a 12 to $14 billion fund. And what we're going to see is education is going to suck all the oxygen out of a lot of other issues in the capital. What we're going to want to be watching is to make sure that the taxes we pay, because we pay important taxes, we pay a lot of taxes. Once we pay those taxes, what the legislature decides to do with that money is up to the legislature. Right. It's not our money, it's the legislator's money to spend. If they choose to spend it on education, which I think that they will, well, good. Education is vital and important. What we would say, though, is that as you're looking at taxes, we want to make sure that we don't cut into our ability to reinvest some of our capital by having taxes get raised on us. So we would respectfully ask the Texas legislature to try to avoid raising taxes on the oil and gas industry and then fully utilize the taxes that we do pay in any way they see fit, including ed education. Another key issue, and this strikes close to home, is eminent domain. You know, eminent domain is something that everybody uh, fears if it happens to hit their piece of property. And private property is a sacred uh, aspect of the Texas politics and a lot of our Texas beliefs. Private property is nothing to be tripled with. However, if you're going to build a road and if you're going to build a pipeline, and the oil and gas industry uses both of those to get right. our products to market, sometimes you have to condemn that. Well, I believe you have to condemn that property and pay a fair market value. Well, there is an effort to try to make that more transparent and try to make those negotiations more straightforward. I would say the oil and gas industry is going to be watching eminent domain discussions closely because we want to make sure that eminent domain is rarely used but when it has to happen so that we can get our products to market, there is a greater good that needs to be served. Uh, we're also going to see infrastructure play a role. You're going to see Texas Department of Transportation get a $32 billion budget out of this uh, this coming legislature, in my opinion. You're going to see the Railroad Commission uh, probably get a $120 million budget uh, out of this uh, legislative session. Both of those are important. They are very important. When you... If you're concerned about federal overreach, like I am, one of the strongest ways to push back against federal overreach is by having a strong state regulator. So you're going to see us supporting the funding for roads. You're going to see us supporting the funding for the Railroad Commission of Texas, the T Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. 
Water is always going to be an issue. We talked about that earlier, how to use produced water. Recently, we had a hearing on that. You're also going to see some ancillary issues like the Texas Board of Professional Geoscientists and their sunset issue. You'll see some environmental issues come up. And what we are going to want to make sure is that the science and the fact is focused by the legislators on trying to improve the quality of life for all Texans. Thank you. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.